Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Well, I think we've decanted for long enough. It's time to sit back and enjoy Two Sharp Reds with Mark Schwarzer and Ollie Geel. Yes, it is my favourite time of the week and I've got an extra special st- uh, spring in my step today. I'm a little bit nervous, Mark, as you can probably tell here <laughs> on the Two Sharp Reds. You can hear it. I know you can. Whereas, of course, myself, Ollie Geel and Mark Schwarzer, we like to sit down and try a bottle of red wine, and then towards the end of the episode, we'll talk about that bottle and compare it, hopefully, in, in a good way to a player, past or present. Sometimes we get it right, sometimes we don't. But look, it's beautiful weather where I'm at. Uh, Mark, you look good. We've got a special guest today. I've got my nice barefoot uh, Cab Sav. It's the cheapest bottle I can find in Bermuda, so I'm on a bu- very tight budget now, uh, but I'm ready to go. Must have been like fifty pounds a bottle. Is that right? Yeah, it was. I took a loan out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but it was still I can cheap. Imagine, absolutely. So, hang on, what are we doing again? I've forgotten. Are we introducing our guest? Are we going for the bottle of wine firstly? Well, look, I've uh, look. Go for your wine, just so it's out there. I've got the barefoot cab sav, and what have you gone? Okay. For? Well, I've gone for an Aussie wine as well, of course. Um, of course, not of course. No, very rarely do I go with an Aussie wine, but I'm going one this time around. It's called Two Hands Angels Share Shiraz 2019. It's from the McLaren Vale. So very much looking forward to it. It's come highly recommended. Well, Mark, uh, take a big sip uh, as we as we raise our glass, and I want you to just take a moment, big deep breath. Don't stuff the intro up because um, just so I guess knows he's not very good at doing these. I just it's he's like the intern. I like to give him a you know a bit of a chance to you know have his time in the sun, have his moment. So, Mark, good luck. Well, I, I don't think I could go too badly considering you were a bit nervous in your intro. Yeah. Um, so I'm feeling yeah, actually but, far more relaxed now and I can yeah. handle this. I've got I'll edit the intro control. though. That's the difference. Yeah. I'll make me sound better. So. Yeah, I know you're right. So listen, we mentioned it last week. We've got a very special guest here on the show, the Two Sharp Reds. And uh, uh, one man, one club man uh, played his entire career at one club other than a couple of loan spells, very brief loan spells away from the club. But is really true, uh, you know, thick and thin, a true blue Aston Villa fan and ex-player. Uh, and it's none other than Gabby Agbon Lahore. Gabby, welcome. Hello, guys. How are you? Very well, thank you. Really appreciate your time, mate. Uh, how, how is it even possible these days? You know, up until 2018, you still played and you played for one club your entire career. What, what is that? I mean, I know I've spoken to you in the past. You're a massive Villa fan. You're from the area you feel probably that little bit even more special, the fact that you've played your entire career at one club? Yeah, and I think the, the big thing for me, Mark, is that Aston Villa, were, um, they've got a bit, they're a big club, you know, a big history. The start of my career, we were fighting for the top four. So we, we, we were fighting for things. It's not as if we were um, a mid-table team. So when you're at a big club and it's your local club, a team you support, a team that you've been lucky enough to captain, sometimes the grass isn't always greener, is it? And... Um, I have no regrets. And um, having played so many games for Aston Villa was a dream come true. 
I feel like it's a bit of a theme for Villa players as well. Is there is there a reason? You just sort of you seem to get these lads growing up that just love it. And, and I must say, Mark, I'm sure you've been there a few times as well. But the times that I've been there, speaking to the staff, there's a bit of an energy around Villa Park. Does does that all sort of combine to to why you know kids just grow up loving Aston Villa? Yeah, hundred percent. I think um, a big thing as well is that us Birmingham lads don't want to leave Birmingham. Maybe sure, that's sure, the, sure. Sometimes you, you're that um, stuck in your um, own city. You don't want to leave, do you? But Aston Villa has always been a, a big club for young players coming through as well. You get looked after very well there when you break into the first team, and um, just everything about the club. You know, it's it's got a big history, um, a history that a lot of people wouldn't know. We're winning European cups and. Um, been in the Premier League for so long so massive history and just a massive club and my whole time there I enjoyed um, every single bit of it and just felt at home and I think for the first four or five years the teams that maybe I could have left to were probably on par with Aston Villa anyway so it didn't even make sense to, to, to make that move if it was a possibility anyway. Um, often people talk about football clubs as being massive clubs um, and I think for a lot of supporters, particularly the newer generation, and, and, and even more so from Australia, I probably don't quite understand the enormous sort of size of Aston Villa as a football club. Um, are they on the track to getting back to that? I think, I think they are, Mark. But the biggest thing for me, what they have to do is they have to keep hold of Jack Grealish. I think if he was to go in the summer, then you, you start to think to yourself, okay, it's going to be back to mid-table, back to the mid-table mediocrity that Aston Villa have had for a lot of seasons in the Premier League. If they want to get back to that Aston Villa um, winning European Cups, they need to keep hold of their best players, keep um, investing in the team. And there's every chance. You look at Leicester. Leicester come out of nowhere and won the Premier League. And ever since, they've been up there near the top of the table. So are you thinking, are you hoping, thinking, is there a possibility that, maybe not, obviously not win the league probably this season, Aston Villa, but is it their Leicester season kind of thing? You know? I, think, I think this season, the, the way they're playing, the way it's such a strange season, there's no better way for a team like Aston Villa or West Ham to go in and get into the top four, top six. I mean, you look at Liverpool's recent form, I'd say the top three are going to finish the top three as it is, but... From 4th to 10th, I think it's up to grab, up for grabs or anyone who wants it the most. We're past the middle stage of the season now. It's just going to come down to which team really wants to be playing European football. And Aston Villa have got every chance. They just need to um, keep performing as they've been performing. And the big, big, big thing for me is, could European football be the reason that Jack really stays in the summer? So maybe whilst he's still at Aston Villa, make the use of him. Make use of him to, to get you into Europe. I'm sure, I'm sure it would certainly help his case. Um, do you not worry, it's sort of a bit of an age-old question, this, and we see it that happen so many times, that when a slightly smaller club makes that appearance into Europa League, say, for example, Wolves or someone like that, they do struggle. Um, so they'll need to strengthen. And I was just saying to Mark before we started recording, I've been really impressed over the last year at the recruiting at Aston Villa where they simplified things, it seemed. They went, right, we need a goalkeeper. We need someone who can score goals. They brought in Ross Barkley. These guys, really simple. Like we need to fix things. So if they went into Europe, where would they need to strengthen or, or, or in terms of uh, deepening certain positions? I think if you do get into Europe, you need two teams. You need two teams and your second team has got to be not far off your, your first team. So 
for Aston Villa, you look at Matty Target, um, Neil Taylor's back up, but he's getting on a bit now. So maybe you look at another left back, um, maybe another centre half to, to come in, another striker, maybe another midfielder and a couple of wingers. Because if you're playing in European competition like Europa League, there's that many games throughout the season. You, you need a big squad. We've seen Burnley. The Europa League nearly relegated Burnley because of how many games there is and um, they didn't have the biggest squad. So it's definitely about bringing in the right players, but definitely um, investing. And the Aston Villa owners will do that. You know, they've got a lot of money. They're willing to invest. And they want this Aston Villa side to get back into Europe. That's their goal. It's funny because listening to you, what you're saying about keeping hold of Jack Grealish, when when we spoke probably uh, last season, and you talked about Jack Grealish and how important it is to tie him down, which the club successfully did. And, and, and it seemed to me back then you were, you were pretty confident he was going to stay at Villa and stay there for the long term. You've changed a little bit, I sense. Are you fearful that maybe Jack Grealish will move on? The reason why is because last season he played great football, but this season he took it to another level, Mark. He, he's been outstanding. He's been getting into the England squad now, getting England caps. And you know what happens when you start getting into England squads and playing for England and you're getting the, um, the plaudits off the, the top managers away in the league. And Jack has probably been named so far as maybe one of the top three, top four players in the league this season. So when you start getting these plaudits, yeah, you do worry because you know what it's like. If the big boys come calling, the Man City, the Man United's, then it's a big worry, isn't it? And you don't know where his head as a player is. Does he want to play in the Champions League? I'd imagine he does. So for me, it's going to be a big thing of Aston Villa getting to Europe. You're bringing European football to him. And then maybe that could be a reason why he stays. And maybe the club invest again next season. And they've got a plan of trying to break into the Champions League. Then they might be able to keep hold of him. But when you're playing like he's playing, it's a big worry, isn't it? Because... You've seen players like Mahrez at Leicester City when he was on fire. Where did he go? Went straight away to Manchester City. So the reason probably Man- um, Leicester City are keeping hold of Madison is because they're fighting for Champions League football as well. Uh, the only thing I'd, I'd add to that is the difference is that Mahrez is not a Leicester kid, not Leicester boy through and through, whereas Grealish obviously is an Aston Villa boy. And the fact that I think that he committed himself last season was, was, was massive. Um, and if the owners are serious about taking the club to another level, they're going to have to back it up. They're going to have to back it up by transfers. And so far, they've done that. They've I think, progressed. I think it's hard as well, though, isn't it? Because um, t- if I take my Villa hat off, you know, you, you, we, everyone's talking now about Harry Kane. He's been at Spurs for so long, but does he have to move to win trophies and um, get silverware? So if you're, if you're Jack, you want to do it with Aston Villa. So you're just hoping that Aston Villa can keep um, spending money, keep improving the squad, and hopefully he can do it with Aston Villa. But if it comes to the stage where the club aren't matching his um, his goals, then I'm sure you'll think of um, moving somewhere else. But at the moment, he looks happy. He looks like he's enjoying his football. Playing for Aston Villa is getting him in the England squad. So I do see that he will stay at Aston Villa this season because I do back them to get into Europe. So keep that in, keep that Aston Villa hat off. Uh, you've just replaced Gareth Southgate as manager because um, you know results haven't been quite as good, and he still can't decide who are his playmakers. You've got a choice between Jack Grealish, Phil Foden, Mason Mount, and James Madison. How many of them do you play, and which ones do you play on the side? Um, I think for me, uh, I think it depends on what game it is. But I'm I'm an attacker, so I want to play attacking football. I think I'm playing. Um, 
two defensive midfielders. Then I'm playing Foden, Grealish, Sterling in front of Harry Kane. Because I just see the way Foden and Grealish are playing, they could occupy the left and right wing. Sterling can play in the centre and they can interchange. You've seen it so much in football where you don't have to stay in your position, have that freedom of changing positions, doing one-twos, which they're all good at. And then you've got a goal machine of Harry Kane up front. So I'll definitely take them both and I'll definitely start them both. It's not a bad little lineup when you say that, is it? You start to think, my goodness. Do you think as well, um, Tyrone Mings, does he get the call up? 100% gets the call up. Um, for me, he should be starting um, on that left-hand side next to Maguire or Stones. But you look at, will Maguire get the nod before him because he's the captain of Manchester United? You, you see it a lot in um, England. When you play at the top, top clubs, you, see, you sometimes get the call before maybe the clubs that aren't the top, top clubs. So Tyrone Mings for sure will be in the squad. Um, I think there's 10-11 clean sheets he's got so far this season. But I think it's going to be touch and go if he starts because John Stones has been in great form as well. If, uh, what about Ollie Watkins? I mean, he's been a revelation, hasn't he, since he's been at Aston Villa. He's taken his game to another level. Did you foresee that he was going to have to adapt to the Premier League as, as easily as he has? Um, and does he have a chance with England? 100%. And it's here with Ollie Watkins. I know you might sound a bit like I'm, I'm talking about myself, but when I was at my best, maybe 2009, 2010, he reminds me of that player that I was then. And I don't think Aston Villa have had a player like that since. I mean, he runs the channels, he can score his left foot, right foot, he works hard for the team. And he's that sort of striker, isn't he, that will always be able to adapt to the Premier League because he works hard and he's got pace and he's, he doesn't stop pestering defenders. So for me, he's um, been an outstanding for Aston Villa. I think maybe the Euros might come too soon because he hasn't played any international football yet. And I don't think Southgate will probably start picking players that haven't been in squads before when it's so close to a tournament. But if he keeps scoring the way he's scoring and putting in great performances, there's no reason why he can't maybe get a call-up in the March international break and then be given a chance because people are talking about Tammy Abraham and Wilson. But for me, I'm putting Watkins ahead of them too. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I think I've been really impressed. I watched him against Arsenal uh, live and Ollie Watkins was was pretty immense in that game. Um, it's just his work rate, like you mentioned, was insane. And at the other end... I mean, it's arguably, he's up there with one of these signings of the season, I think. Uh, Here Andy we Martinez. go. Yeah, I know. I'm going to say here that. He's, he's, uh, Gabby, he's, a, he's an Arsenal fan, this boy up here. And he was devastated that Emmy Martinez Yeah, but left. Mark, Mark also thinks he's, he's going to win the Ballon d'Or in about two years. <laughs> really, you're obsessed with him. You know, no, what? No, I, you know what? I understand the reason why Arsenal let him go because Leno is a great keeper as well. And there's not many clubs that can afford to keep two top, top keepers and to keep them both happy. So you understand they've got a decent amount of money for him, 20 million. And at Aston Villa, he's been outstanding. For me, when they first signed him for 20-odd million, I was, I was thinking, why are we not spending that on a, on a midfielder? You know, this day and age, you don't see that, do you, Mark? Like, keepers going for big money, like, for a club like Aston Villa, when you've got no. some decent keepers already. So I thought, oh, I hope he's good, because I haven't seen much of him. Because he's been at Arsenal for 10 years, hasn't he? And he's not played yeah. much. But from the first game he played, the ball was getting pinged back to him. He's taking a touch and playing from the back. He's um, comfortable on the ball. He's picking out passes. And he's a big guy as well, like yourself, Mark. He's a big figure in the goal, isn't he? And he's making saves that some of the keepers in the Premier League wouldn't be able to reach some of the shots he's saving. 
he's certainly um, getting better and better with age. And that's generally the case with goalkeepers. I mean, we do see the, ex- the exceptions that do start early, get, a, get an opportunity in the first team and, and play really well. But he's someone that I think early on at Arsenal has struggled a little bit uh, when given the opportunity. And even on loan, he wasn't really setting the world on fire. However, that last sort of six months or so at uh, Arsenal, he's been, he was brilliant. And obviously he's continued that form at Aston Villa, which is amazing. Um, the other thing I want to talk about is Dean Smith. I mean, the influence he's had at the club. And it's interesting. I was looking um, at the stats in terms of how Aston Villa performed the season before Dean Smith arrived under Steve Bruce. Uh, They had more wins. They finished higher in the table. They missed out on the playoffs. And that's the fine line, isn't it? I mean, Dean Smith took over, played more attractive football. So the fans were already on board and they made that next jump. They made that step that was so vital. Um, is it something that you're also concerned? A bit like Jack Grealish, the more successful I have, the harder it's going to be to be able to keep hold of a manager like Dean Smith. Hundred percent, and I think the only the only plus with Dean Smith as well is that he's an Aston Villa fan. Yeah, you know, um, he's an Aston Villa fan. I, I even seen his face when the whole end were clapping him on his first game. He looked like a, an Aston Villa fan in the dugout. I've even spoke to players at the club that said he's like he's like an Aston Villa fan living the dream. So he's living the dream as a manager at Aston Villa, enjoying it. And he'll know that sometimes you might go through a bad patch. But what he's doing at the moment with Aston Villa, he's giving himself um, a lot of time, even if results don't go your way this season or next season. And he's been fantastic. Um, a breath of fresh air for the club. Plays attacking football. Rarely um, worries about the opposition. You don't see his tactics ever. Okay, we've got a man mark him or double up on him. He just wants to play attacking football. And that's what Aston Villa fans want. Under Martin O'Neill, was the same. Attacking football, never worry about the opposition. You might lose some games, but the fans don't care about that. And that's what he's brought into Aston Villa. And we're seeing it week in, week out now. Um, they're going toe-to-toe with every team. And I suppose the other name that's probably complimented him, of course, is, is John Terry. What, what do you think sort of influence he has had? Because, of course, he's been linked with a few jobs. Bournemouth, I know, has come up. But do you think if he left there would be a, a noticeable hole on the bench there? Yeah, I think um, if you look at Aston Villa's squad, there's not many of them players that, before they got promoted, have played in the Premier League. A lot of them hadn't played in the Premier League. So yeah. if you haven't played in the Premier League and you see a Premier League legend like John Terry come into the club, how much are you going to respect him? How much are you going to like listen to exactly what he's going to say? If I was a player, I'd be thinking, whatever John Terry says I'm going to do because... He's done that. He's been and done it at every level, England, um, Champions League, and um, Premier League. So you're going to learn so much off him. And it took a bit of time, but if you look at this season and the end of last season, the defence looked like they they've been learning so much of John Terry. And we just hope that he doesn't go because it'd be a massive loss um, and someone else's gain. So go on. I'm going to put you on the spot. 16 games to go. Where are Villa going to finish? I'm going to go sixth place. I think um, they, they can scrape it. I think if you look at the teams around them, West Ham, Spurs, Everton, everyone's dropping points. So I think it's going to come down to the hunger. And for me, they've got one of the top players in the league with Jack Grealish and he'll be the difference. Um, I've been looking through. I'm going to go back to your, your career at Villa as a player. I'm looking at all the managers you played under. 
O'Neill, Hulier, McLeish, Lambert. I mean, Tim Sherwood. I forgot about Tim Sherwood being a manager, albeit for, for nine months. Remy Gard, Di Matteo, Steve Bruce. I don't think you play with under Dean Smith anymore, did you? He, you'd already retired by then. Yeah. So out of those managers, who was your favourite? I think um, Martin O'Neill by um, a country mile because um, when you come into the club straight away, he was obsessed with pace. And luckily I was doing one of the quickest players at the club. And from the first day he came in, I played every game under him until the day he left. Even when I played bad football and I had a couple of bad games and a bad run, he was the manager that would not forget the good stuff you've done so he wouldn't drop you. He'd have faith in your ability and then you'd come good eventually. And that's what players sometimes need. And he was massive for me, man management. And he felt like a father figure for me. And um, I played my best stuff under him. And when he left, it was um, very emotional. And, OK, I'm going to ask the opposite then. But I mean, I don't want to really say the worst, but the one that you probably um, didn't get on with the most or the best or, or found it the most difficult to play under. I think for me, it was um, Roberto Di Matteo was um, because... We got relegated um, Aston Villa and um, he come in and we'd done a whole pre-season. So imagine you do a pre-season in Austria, you come back, you're doing your pre-season games, you, you feel like, you know, I want to put this right, you know, I was part of the reason we got relegated, I want to put this right. And then the day before the first game of the season, he called me into his office, I'm thinking, all right, he's going to tell me where I'm starting, you know, he's going to talk about the shape. He sat me down. He says, um, I think you should leave. Um, I said, what, what are you talking about? Leave? What, what, what do you mean? I've been here, I've been here since I was um, 11 years old. I'm going nowhere. What, what do you mean? He said, yeah, I think um, Reading and Glasgow Rangers are interested and we think you should leave. You know, we want to freshen things up. And I just said to him, like, I'm going nowhere. I said, um, if you want to put me wherever you want to put me, he said, you'll be in on the 23. And I said, that's fine. So I just bat, um, bide my time. Um, and I said to him, I said, I'll see you out. I said, I'll be back in that um, Villa team and you won't be the manager. And I think he lasted eight games and he got sacked. So I played with the under-23s, trained with them, which was very tough. You know, you had to walk down, 10-minute walk from the changing rooms on your own and train with the kids, sometimes 15-year-olds. But he got sacked, Steve Bruce come in and give me another chance. So that was the, um, the worst for me. Just the way he went around it. I think it would have been different if the start of pre-season you tell people your plans if you don't want them. Do you know what I mean, Mark? You can't do it the day before the season starts and expect them to just listen to you. And so Villa fans will love to hear that, that the fact that you would have rather train with the under-23s and not play rather than leave. Yeah, I think as well, because I, I, I was part of the reason that we got relegated. I was part of the squad that got relegated and... I felt guilty for it all summer. Um, I got myself in great shape, combat pre-season, flying, to, to, to get us back promoted, you know. And just hear them words was just like, I felt like he didn't know how much the club meant to me, like my relationship with the club, with the fans sort of thing. I was probably part of the, 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 the woodwork, you know. And just for him to say that was, um, yeah, just a bit frustrating, but... I'm glad I stuck to it, you know. I didn't want to go to Reading. I didn't want to go to um, Rangers. I didn't want to play for another club. So I would have waited a season playing for the under-23s if that's what it took to um, get back into the side. So talk to me about your... Well, you're not so much of a love affair with Twitter because you're no longer on Twitter, of course. Yeah. Um, uh, 
you, you like to have a bit of a, a bit of a joke, a bit of a, a, a sort of a, like a, a couple of remarks about various clubs in the league. One was Wolves, Leeds United. There's, there's been quite, quite well documented. Yeah. What, what was it? You're just sitting there watching a game and, and just thinking, right, I'm just going to put it out there because I genuinely feel this or you like to give a bit of bait or, or what is it? You know what it was, Mark? I, I joined Twitter in September and um, I did, I did a, it's funny, I've done a, um, a poll on my Instagram. I said, should I join Twitter? And 90% of the people said no. Okay. So, but I thought, you know, it's my character. You want to go again? <laughs> I was like, let's have a little go. So I set it up and I was new to Twitter. I didn't really understand it. I didn't know that like the whole world could see tweets. So I was watching a game, one of the games, it was Wolves versus um, Leeds and Leeds weren't great. So I put as a tweet, um, Leeds aren't nothing special. Um, Bielsa's a myth. But it's not that I actually meant it. Do you know what I mean? Like, it was more having a bit of banter on there, you know, um, didn't really know how to use it. Then, boom, all these Leeds fans, thousands and thousands and thousands are on there hammering me. And then soon, soon after, they played Villa and obviously battered Villa 3-0. So I was getting more and more. And I sort of had to be a bit stubborn then and stick with it for a couple <laughs> of years. Good team. I was being stubborn and thought, you know what, I can't back down here. I'm a stubborn ways. But... um. But after that, it was I, I got used to Twitter and I quite enjoyed it because even the stick that I got from Leeds fans and stuff, I enjoyed it because it was banter. When Villa lost, I'd get hammered by them. When Leeds lost, I'd put a funny tweet out, like a gif, a laughing gif or something. And I enjoyed the banter between all fans on there. And um, I did enjoy Twitter. But the, re- the only reason why I, I um, left Twitter is not because of anything that happened to me. It was because of the racism that the racism I was seeing from other players on there. And the app's not doing nothing about it. So for me, all I've done is boycotted the app until I see some changes on there. So I will definitely be back on Twitter one day when that's sorted out. It was nothing to do with the abuse that I got because that was, I enjoyed it. I thrive off that sort of stuff. Like abuse does not racism. You know what I mean? Normal abuse, like you're a rubbish pundit, you're this, you're that. I buzz off that sort of stuff like I have all my career as a player. You know, so it was more a boycott of like until they change the settings where racist people can be found and dealt with. I won't be back on it until then. So, what would you suggest? What would you, in an ideal world, if you were able to to dictate to Twitter as an example, what they need to do to change before people like yourself go back on again? I think for me, Mark, I think it's quite simple, and like a lot of people have said it. It's when someone be racist, racist on these apps, just. Make sure, not, not even that, sorry, let me go a little bit further back. Change the settings now so that everyone's Twitter is logged off. And the only way you can log back onto your Twitter is if you put your passport details in or you put your address in. I know it's hard to put addresses in because you, you probably don't want someone to hack into your account and know where you live. But there needs to be some sort of identification so that if you're racist, Twitter can con- contact police or something, and then police around your house, or they've got your passport details to contact you. That you're going to get even a sentence, a prison sentence. Because if if you're a racist on social media and you know you're going to go to prison, are you going to take the risk? I don't think you are. I think if you got that punishment, severe punishment, like we see in punishments, prison punishments, if you lie about where you come from when you get back into England now for the, um, the, the the declaration form, whatever it is. So for me, that that's the biggest thing that should be done. And 
it would stop so much racism because no one wants to go to prison, do they? No, I would, yeah. And, and with all due respect to this conversation, how many times have we all had it? And so it gets to this point where you're like, it has to, something drastic has to happen or else we're just, it's just a dog chasing its tail, literally going in roundabouts. For me is that it could be your son. It could be your, your, your niece, your nephew. Do you know what I mean? Like, and imagine you see that and your kid or your family member doesn't take it. It's not as mentally strong as, as other people. Not everyone's mentally strong and can take things. Do you know what I mean? So that, that's the biggest thing for me. Like, I've had racism in the past, but I can take it. I'm very mentally strong. Do you know what I mean? But there's people out, that, out there that aren't. So do they have to see that? They go and play a football game and they, they, they miss a penalty or they miss a chance or they score an own goal and then they look at their social media after the game and they're getting racially abused and that should be just like, oh, okay, we, um, it's part of the world. You can't do anything about it. No. I think technology nowadays, these bosses of these apps can. And I'm sure with the likes of Rashford, LeBron James, Denzel Washington, all these guys, if they left all these apps, I'm sure they'll soon change their settings within an hour. Why, why is there a reluctance to do so, do you think? I don't know. I think I saw something in um, um, the news um, the last couple of days about freedom of speech and that they can't block what certain people say. But... How many times have we seen it now? Martial got racially abused after the last Man United game two days ago. So it's every weekend now. Mm. So someone's got to lose in the Premier League every weekend. So the team that loses or draws even, Man United's case, a black player from that team, it looks like they're going to get racially abused weekly. So we can't just ignore it and do nothing about it. But what can us as players do or the general public do it's down to the bosses, isn't it? If the, the bosses of the apps don't want to do it, what else can we do? All we can do is boycott the apps. So that's what I've done so far with Twitter is just to boycott it. And um, yeah, just wait and see. Has there been a difference? So obviously you're on Instagram. So do you feel like it's living on certain platforms in particular? I think the difference with Instagram is that last weekend, Instagram, um, they've come out, Instagram and Facebook come out and said they're going to, they're going to, um, block DMs that are racist. They're going to um, take accounts down that are racist. And for me, that's a start. Do you mm. know what I mean? It's baby steps. That's a start. But from Twitter, you've seen nothing. So yeah. that's why I got rid of Twitter. I'm like, you, they don't look like they even care. So Instagram are taking um, a stand and they're trying to do something which is baby steps. It's not the finished um, answer. So that's the reason why I'm still on Instagram. Yeah, I've, I've been speaking to a couple of platforms, actually, one recently, and it was about this same, very same, um, well, discussion topic. And, and, and I was very adamant that for me to be involved with this particular platform, which is a new one from the US, there would have to be accountability, very much like you're saying. So I don't understand why uh, companies like Twitter, any of the social uh, uh, pl- media platforms don't enable or, or allow a system so athletes, famous people, anybody, anybody, actually everybody can elect, can select a button to say that I'm only going to be engageable by people that are ver- verified. Everybody has a level of verification. And if you don't want to be verified, you can still be within the platform, but then you get no access to people that have actually selected. They want no, no communication with those people. Yeah. No, no, I totally agree. That's a good idea. A very good idea. But, but people are they're still reluctant to do it. And then that was the actual, the, the thing that really surprised me. 
they were talking about ways of trying. They say, we, put, we, we take the accounts down and I say, that's not enough because you have zero accountability. You take one down. Within the minute you take one down, they've set up a new one. It happened to me on Twitter. Um, I, got, I got a bit of racism on Twitter and the guy, I posted his um, tweet. So obviously Aston Villa fans and people on Twitter have started to have a go at the guy. Within a minute, his page was deactivated and within three minutes, he'd set up a new one and was racially abusing me on that new one. But yeah. little did he, did he know that he had a cat in his profile on both accounts. So he, he left his cat in his second profile. So it was obviously him. So that, yeah. that's the problem. I mean, you can't just be taking accounts down because they will set up a new one, which can take probably two minutes to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's no, it's a shocking state at the moment. And something seriously needs to be done about it. I'm hoping um, it's because... all to be fair. I'm hoping that... Everyone keeps calling it out. I like the way Sky Sports, you know, they keep calling it out when it happens on their um, breaking news. So the more it keeps, um, everyone keeps talking about it. And when it happens, they they make sure it's breaking news on Sky and these um, social media apps and stuff. Then hopefully, with time and everyone keep pressurizing them, they, they will they will change it. But it shouldn't have to be like that. But that's the world we live in. But I think also it goes beyond also just the social media platforms. That, that's a start, absolutely. But then also when it comes to uh, the, the judicial system, if you just look at now Ian Wright, um, the passing down of a verdict of a young kid, an 18-year-old kid that was racially abusing him, got let off. So there is still, okay, there has been some accountability, of course, but certainly not enough. No, I totally agree. And the, the example that I made on the radio last week was, if you lie on your form, say if you're coming from a holiday destination and you put in a, a country that you've not come from because you don't want to um, have to stay in a hotel for 10 days, you get a 10-year sentence. So I'm thinking, hang on a second. So you can make this law in the space of a week and it's a 10-year sentence, but you can't make a law that if you racially abuse someone, you do a sentence as well. That's what the government needs to change and we have to put pressure on them maybe to, to, to bring out a law because believe me, people will soon stop racially abusing people if they've got that sort of punishment. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you. Yeah. And something needs to change sooner rather than later. That's for sure. Listen, mate, that's been brilliant. Um, uh, you know, really, I, I, I thought that um, I think the way that Aston Villa have progressed over the last 12 months has been quite remarkable and all to think, it was on one decision last season, really, that uh, made a difference for their season. And uh, who would have thought VAR? Well, actually, it wasn't even VAR, was it? it was goal line technology. Um, and that, that's a defining moment. Sometimes clubs' whole fortunes can turn around on one defining moment. Yeah, of course. And um, I think that was a bit of luck for Aston Villa. But what um, the Aston Villa players will tell you and the staff will probably tell you when, when, when people bring up that is that it's not as if it was the 89th minute in the last game of the season. Aston Villa still had a number of games to play, a number of points to play for. They still had a whole half to play for in the Sheffield United game. So they still had a chance to get that point. Does that make sense? Even if yep. they, they lost the Sheffield United game, they still had so many games to get that point that they needed. They did what they needed to get. Of Even course. the West Ham game, they drew, they drew, didn't they? But yep. they had to win that. I'm sure they would have found a way to win it. So as much as people probably go back to that and... Um, use that as probably the reason we stayed up. I think it's probably a bit harsh because it wasn't the last kick of the game or the last game of the season, if that makes sense. And before we let you go, Gabby, uh, uh, what, from a wine perspective, 
are you a are you a wine drinker? Are you a connoisseur, or where, where's your head at? So I'm very new to um, red wine. I started drinking <laughs> red wine about six months ago. I, I never used to like like the taste of it. Um, I was always a white wine, but seven, six months ago I, t- I tried a bit of Malbec red wine, and yeah. ever since I'm not stopped. <laughs> 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 and, um, I, 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 but I'm still new to it. I need to go on a sort of wine tasting experience to know which wines are the right ones to get. But the red wine Malbec um, tastes very nice. But I suppose I don't know anything so far. So there's so many red wines out there. But when I speak to some of the players and they're, they're putting me into touch for £700 bottles of wine, I'm like, oh, no, no, sure. no, no, no. Good well, thanks. Mark will tell you, he doesn't spend over 10 quid, do you? I try not to, absolutely. No. If I'm drinking, if it's just a normal bottle of wine that I'm drinking at home, absolutely I'm not. No. paying £700 with like no. glasses, it's gone. I can't do that. No. I, I've been to a few uh, wine tasting events and on one particular one, uh, it was a number of years ago, back in Australia, they took us down to a wine cellar, a very select group of us who were there at that party. And the, the guy that was running the, the, the venue pulled out a bottle of wine, opened up, poured us each a, a bit of a glass full and said, this is 1500 Australian dollars, this bottle of wine. And I'm like, you're wasting it on me. I mean, I, I listen, I'll appreciate it, but I really don't, don't, I, I can't see how the value of this bottle of wine is $1,500. And you probably taste not much different to a hundred dollars. No. Won't be long. Back to Ollie and Mark in just 15 seconds. If you enjoy Two Sharp Reds, though, make sure you search Geg and Pod wherever you get your podcasts. David Weiner is joined by thousands of games of experience both on and off the field. It's a great listen. G-E-G-E-N-P-O-D. The Geg and Pod. Okay, back to Two Sharp Reds. Good stuff there, Mark, from uh, Gabby. And I've got to say, it's very happy that he's a wine fan. That's, uh, yeah. you know, it's about time when you get a guest on the Two Sharp Reds. <laughs> they should tick the criteria first, uh, you know. I, I can't remember. I mean, the, the one I can certainly remember is uh, our very first guest on the Two Sharp Reds podcast and Robert Huth, because yeah. he was the only guest that we've been able to actually... Anniversary of that, a week ago. Was it really? The there you yep. go. Thanks for letting me know. And, and a week later, I celebrated. <laughs> uh, thank you very much. The only thing is, you know, he was the only one that obviously, clearly on the day, likes his bottle of red wine. Sure. There's no doubt sure. whatsoever. Sure. Um, uh, and it's great to hear. Yeah, absolutely. That Gabby uh, likes a bit of the old uh, drop as well. Yeah. Who was it that just liked uh, vodka, vodka soda? That gave me anxiety. I didn't like that. Uh, Neil, I mean, Danny. Stephen Warner. So, oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that put me on edge. Hey, uh, before we wind things up here on the Two Sharp Reds, busy Sunday of football, beautiful Valentine's Day. It was uh, a really romantic day for me, I know. Um, really? By that, of course, I, I mean I got to see your wife upload some pictures of you uh, in you know various outfits and costumes, and I just it was a beautiful moment for me. But of course, on Optus Sport, there was some great Valentine's Day footy to watch. Wolves uh, got over the top of a very struggling Southampton to one big point for West Brom. Probably should have won the game really against uh, Man United. Uh, Arsenal pretty stock standard four two win over Leeds. You'd have to say, stock Mark. Uh... Stand- what do you mean stock standard? <laughs> Tell you what, at four nil, at four nil, right? Yeah. When Leeds scored their second. Yeah. How did you feel? Oh, yeah, no, I was packing it. Cause, 20 cause, minutes to go. Because you know that that's what, if it was any other team, like even, I, and I honestly mean this, even if City had scored and we were winning 4-1, you would think you'd have enough to hold on. But no, Leeds are no, that. No, 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 absolutely no, not. You, wouldn't, you actually wouldn't have held on if it were City. No, firstly, I disagree. Firstly, that, not in a million years. Game. No, 
Firstly, never in a million years will Arsenal be 4 0 up against Man City, right? right not in your up. lifetime, anyway, yeah. I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> so, I like how you said, not... sorry, I like how you said my lifetime, not our lifetime. What are you trying to say? Well, your, your lifetime, because it would possibly be longer. Sure. Um, mm. Yeah, I, don't, I yeah, yeah. just can't see it, mate. I can't Fair see enough. it. So, if, if Arsenal somehow, you know, unbelievably against all the odds in the world, be 4 0 yep. up against Manchester City, and Manchester City pulled it back to 4-2 with 20 minutes to go, Yeah, I'd lump it on Man City winning that game. Really? Okay, fair yeah. enough. Well, you just know that at least with Leeds, that they're the sort of team that'll keep peppering. So I knew it was going to happen. But then finally, the big one, uh, Fulham 2-0 over Everton. Our man, Josh Madger, who I feel like we talked about last week as well, uh, coming into the side. Huge, frustrating for West Brom, given the fact that they got their point. Uh, I'm sure they'll feel quite frustrated, but a, a big start in the right direction for Fulham, who have actually been playing pretty well. They just need to get a win. I tell you what, that is the best performance I've seen from Fulham for a long, 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 long time. Yeah. Um, they were they were very, very good. I have to say, um, uh, for Ariola for the first time in probably all season, had very little to do. And what yep. he did do, he did really well in terms of dominating his own yard box. Come out, took some really good crosses, which no one ever really gives plaudits for. But I, I do certainly appreciate it. Um, and I thought Fulham, from start to finish, pretty much controlled the entire game. You felt at halftime when it was nil-nil and Fulham's dominance and chances, you thought, oh, no, here we go again. And I remember I was watching on TV, listening to the commentary, and I said exactly the same thing. Um, and then up steps, you know, Josh Madger, second half, Obviously, simple tap-ins, but you have to be there. And Fulham haven't been there in the past. They haven't had players in those areas. And and listen, I, I still think that obviously the odds are stacked massively against Fulham from from uh, getting out of the predicament they're in. But there is a, a slight flicker of a light at the end of the tunnel, uh, albeit still very very slight. Okay, Mark, let's just go through our notes here about our wines that we're having. I've gone for the Barefoot California bottle. Look, I'll be honest, it's not fantastic, but it's actually pretty good considering the fact it's the cheapest bottle. So as we've talked about, I'm I'm just trying to tighten the purse strings a little bit. Uh, So I've definitely tried to to go down the other uh, scale of things. But the Barefoot Cab Sav um, has won a gold medal from the 2016 Denver International Wine Competition. The only thing I'd say to that is I don't know if Denver, Colorado is known for their wine. So I'm not sure, you know, that's sort of, you know, the, the 2016 Birmingham <laughs> Shiraz <laughs> competition. Hmm, how yeah. much can I really read into that? But it's, uh, it's not a bad little drop. Uh, it says the quick, the berries are coming. Heaps of berry flavours, uh, black currant, raspberry and blackberry jam into a velvety vanilla finish, tasty and lasting. It's sure to make a big and fast impression. Yeah, but even though, you know, not as, not as up there as you'd probably hoped. No, and no. A bit dubious in terms of where it's produced. Uh, sure. On the other hand, my bottle of wine, nice Aussie bottle of wine, um, you know, from a very, very uh, important and, and distinguished area, the McLaren Vale, uh, two hands, Angel Share, Shiraz 2019. And I can just see you're licking your lips. I know, I know you're very envious of my bowl of red wine. Um, it's um, incredibly bold and heady, a full of Aussie, uh, on Aussie Shiraz. Mm. Full of jammy fruit and flavors of cola, coffee, and spice, fresh with 
fine tannins. It has a lovely silky texture. Cola. That's an interesting addition. Yeah. I don't think I've heard in a while. And, and, and straight away, uh, I, 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 we talked about before the show, one person's name popped in my head straight away. And it's, um, it comes from, I mean, there's a very new, they're a new wine producer. Two guys got together. Um, and um, 2018 vintage is apparently is a very, very serious wine um, made from choice grapes from the McLaren Vale just outside Adelaide. And this wine, uh, even though it's a 2019 bottle, it says it's an incredibly bold and heady, um, a full-on Aussie Shiraz. This guy is, no two words about it, bold. In, in what sense? How are we spelling this? Okay. Bold and cockiness, not bold. Okay. Okay. Bold yeah. and cockiness, he's got that right up his alley. And that kind of makes makes him kind of big big part of why he is who he is and how he performed has 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 performed how he's come from nowhere in a very very short period of time playing non-league football burst onto the scene against manchester united when they beat them i think it was five two he was unbelievable he was raw he was had a smile on his face a cheeky smile um even his interview after that game it was, it was a cockiness to it, a boldness to it. Uh, the jammy fruit, I mean, jammy, is he jammy? Can he be jammy? Yeah, he can be a little bit, but most of it's because he's just full steam ahead all the time. And he's we should say proper... to our Australian, list, uh, Australian listeners, jammy in the UK is what, lucky, would you say? Or yeah, a little bit lucky, yeah. But you make your own luck. I'm a big fan of that. You, 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 the reason you're lucky at times is because you've, you've worked so hard. You put yourself in the right position and the right areas and, and you create your own luck. Flavors of cola, coffee and spice. This guy, uh, when, I, when I was with him, he, he was into everything. Junk food, fizzy drinks. Um, there were even stories of probably had a couple of alcoholic beverages most nights before games. Really? Selling him himself down a little bit. And this, that was the season we won the league. He burst uh-huh. onto the scene. It really came. To, he burst onto the scene in that game against Manchester United the season before, and they won five two. And the next season, where the, where we went on to win the league in two thousand and fifteen sixteen, he really set the world on fire in terms of his presence, uh, goal scoring ability. Set a new record in the Premier League of scoring. I think it was thirteen or fourteen games in a row. Scored yeah. a wonderful goal at home against Liverpool. I think that was actually the goal that broke the record. Um, it was amazing. Um, it has a lovely silky texture. You know, we, we hear that often with our bottles of wine, but, and yeah, he's got a, I wouldn't say he's necessarily uh, silky skills, um, but the way he runs past people, it's pretty silky at times because he just glides past people, energy, power, pace, and the words that just, the word that really, the one word that comes out that is that incredibly bold. And I'm going to take it a little bit further cocky, but he backs it up. And it's none other than Jamie Vardy. Yeah, McLaren Vardy, I was thinking. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Absolutely. no, that's good and, and pretty spot on too and bloody good on the weekend as well, I must say. Yeah. Um, so mine, really simple. It's going to go straight into it. And the only thing I'm going to say is I'm actually really happy with the comparison, but it's just by chance it happens to be an Arsenal player. So please don't oh. think less of me because I know you don't like that. But the description here, quick, the berries are coming fast. And then towards the end, tasty lasting and is sure to make a huge impression so this one very similar it starts your description so this is someone who's sort of pretty much come out of nowhere i feel like 
and has made a monumental impression on, on fans around the world. But in particular, I think probably Gareth Southgate even really now has some serious questions to ask him. But this bottle in particular, I had started last night and I didn't finish. So the wine's quite low down. Very much like his socks. Uh, this man likes to keep oh, his okay. socks yeah. towards the bottom. Yeah, I, uh, I, I was thinking you were maybe going with his, other, with his teammate. Saka, I think you were thinking yes. I was going to go for, but now I've gone for Smith Rowe. Yeah, Smith Rowe, yeah. What a player. I, I'm a big fan, actually. I Good, really isn't like he? the way he plays, yeah. A little bit quieter the other night against Leeds, out wide, particularly earlier on, then found his way into the game. A little bit out of the normal position that he's been playing for, for Arsenal. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, very, very uh, good player. Really like him. Very comfortable. Just looks like he's been playing in the Premier League for a long, long time. He does, doesn't he? Yeah. And yeah. it wasn't only that long ago he had a short spell at Huddersfield. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like he was... Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Good on you. No. Okay, Mark. Well, I'm going to go finish this, this cab sav now um, and sort of end, you know, what, what has been a fantastic little day. I've enjoyed talking to Gabby. Um, it's sunny outside, so I'm going to catch some rays, you know. Yeah, thanks for that. Got to get a tan be, for, for the Bermuda locals. You know, yeah. they, you know, I've got to turn up for them, you know. Oh, absolutely brilliant, mate. I'm, I'm really envious. I love your, I love your posts on Instagram. So, I, really, I really do. I mean, they're a little bit out there. Some people may be... I thought you could say I love you. A bit weird. People would think maybe some of your posts are a bit weird. Yep. However, I, 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 I dig them. I like them. It's Thank just you. you. It's yeah. you. And, yeah. um, and just back to the post that my wife's post that you mentioned earlier on in the podcast... Mm-hmm. Um, there were only one fancy dress. I know, I know some of them looked like they were <laughs> fancy dress because they were so old, particularly that first picture. Yes, it did look like a fancy dress. When I look back at myself there and just go, oh, what was I wearing? Oh, it looked my God. good. It, it looked, we should say it was sort of a stonewashed jeans, pretty yeah. high-waisted with a tucked-in, probably a denim shirt, sort of that nice kind of heavy been, yeah. 90s yeah. look. Green, Mate, you're green straight, kind of... Out of, you know, um, straight out of Central Perk. You look did good. you think? Did you think maybe home and away ish? Well, yeah. You know what? It's funny you should say that. I watched Thor last night with uh, Chris Hemsworth, and yeah. that photo of you with you because he had quite blonde hair then. It looked yes. like sort of a bit shaggier as well. And I thought, yep, I can see that definitely. Yeah, yeah I Hemsworth. mean, not Thor, he, I should say. I mean, Hemsworth. Hemsworth needs to work a little bit more on his body. I mean, it wasn't quite the same as mine, but yeah. No, you're right. <laughs> no, you're spot on. Um, so that's uh, uh, an official shout out, an official challenge to yes. Chris Hemsworth. Yes. Sort it out, buddy. Absolutely. No, okay, thank you. Mark. <laughs> absolute pleasure as always remember to leave a nice review uh on the podcast all negative ones will be deleted quite swiftly because mark can't handle it but please leave a review uh of the two sharp reds and until next week mark enjoy the week of football there's a few good games on and until then cheers cheers mate Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.